Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Connor, and I'm really pleased to be able to share this message with you today. Appreciate you and your church and the work that you're doing there. I pray that God will really speak to you through today's message, encourage you, inspire you, maybe even challenge you a little bit to be all that God wants you to be in our world. You know, every church essentially has three purposes. We're here to love God, to love each other, and to reach out to our world. If you think about it logically, if we're only here to do the first two, then we might as well go to heaven right now. I mean, up in heaven, we'll see God face to face. Up in heaven, you and I will be easier to love because we'll be perfect. Uh, if we're only here to do one and two, we might as well go to heaven right now. You know, when we baptize people, might as well just hold them under a little longer <laughs> till all the bubbles are gone. Straight to heaven, no backsliding. It's okay. I know you don't do that. Uh, but the only reason we're still here is we're not just here to love God and love each other, but we're here to reach out to our world with God's love, with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so mission is not just an optional extra, you know, for the uh, fanatical view. It's actually part of every believer's call and part of every local church. And so as we look to the Gospels, we've all heard of the Great Commission, which is to go into all the world and preach good news uh, to every person under heaven. Uh, not only is there the Great Commission, but if you go a little early in the Gospels, Jesus sends out his disciples two by two, and he gives them some really detailed instructions, which I think become a model for mission. And that's what we're going to talk about today, reaching our community. And so in Luke 10, I'm going to read verses 1 onwards. Uh, Jesus tells them what to do, the order there to do it in, and gives some insights, I believe, for us for effective mission. So let's read Luke 10, beginning in verse 1 onwards. I'm reading from the NIV translation. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. He goes on and says, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and then tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then Jesus goes on and gives some more instructions for what to do if you're not accepted as you share the good news of the kingdom. It's an amazing detailed uh, instruction list that Jesus gives his disciples as they go out into the villages, into their local communities. And so let's draw a couple of insights for how we can reach our community day today. Number one is to be a blessing to the people in our community. Notice he says when you knock on the door, uh, don't say turn or burn. <laughs> no, the message is peace or shalom. Bring a blessing to the people that you're endeavoring to reach out to. You know, the gospel is meant to be good news. And let's face it, there's enough bad news and negativity in our society. Jesus wants to bring good news. And so our first orientation, our first priority is to be a blessing to those in our community, to bring peace, to bring shalom. 
You know, even in the Old Testament, when they were living in Babylon, Jeremiah 29, 4-7, they were to pray for the peace or the prosperity of Babylon. <laughs> Think about that. This isn't Jerusalem. This is Babylon, the pagan, godless city. And yet while they were there, they were to pray for a blessing on the city. Because as the city would be blessed, they would be blessed. And so wherever we may be, whatever we may think of our community or how far we may think it is from God, our first priority is to seek to be a blessing in our neighborhoods, at our workplace, in our schools, in our local area where the church is. You know, the church is not just the church when we gather on a weekend or online together for a service. The church is the church when we scatter. And the, the, the mission is both geographical, going to all na nations and, and people groups. The Greek word there is ethnos. But it's also a sociological mission, going to all the world. That's the Greek word cosmos which means the social order or structure that exists. And so as we go out, we not only go to different neighborhoods, different geographical areas, reaching different ethnicities, we also go to different parts of society. Some of you are teachers, some of you are in the medical space, some of you are in arts and entertainment. Uh, some of you might be a tradesperson working on a building site. We all go to different stratas of society. And as we go there, Jesus is saying, when you go there, the first thing you say is peace, shalom. Seek to be a blessing wherever you go. You know, your workplace should be better off because you're there. Your school should be better because you're in it. Your neighborhood should be a better place to live in because you're there. Our priority from Jesus is to be a blessing wherever we go. Not a burden, but a blessing. The second principle we draw from this narrative is to build relationships with people. Jesus says, go out, knock on the door, and first say peace or shalom. He says, secondly, eat and drink whatever they put before you. Have you ever noticed when you have a meal with someone, you get to know them, you start to build a relationship with them. There's something about table fellowship that's quite remarkable in building relationships. Of course, you know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they wouldn't have table fellowship with anyone that kind of didn't, you know, jump over the hoops of expectation that they had created for people. Where Jesus' attitude was, come as you are. Come as you are and let my grace change you. Uh, the, the Pharisees were, get your act together and then you can come and hang with us. No wonder Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Uh, that was a, a criticism that was thrown at him. He, oh, he's a friend of sinners. Well, the truth was he, sent, he spent time, he created value, he gave importance to all people, whoever they may be. Uh, there's a great story in uh, uh, Luke 19 where Jesus is coming into Jericho. And uh, it's crowds of people everywhere. And there's this tax collector named Zacchaeus. And he's climbed this tree to see uh, Jesus coming into town. And Jesus looks up at the tree, sees Zacchaeus and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch today. You can hear the murmurs and the rumors going around the town. Doesn't Jesus know who Zacchaeus is? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, which was a, a Jewish person who was working for the Roman Empire, extracting taxes from their own people and getting rich in the process. The tax collectors were hated and despised people in society. And Jesus is going, hey, let's do lunch today. Like, like this is freaking people out. Uh, you know the story. They're, they're having lunch. Jesus is at Zacchaeus's house. And in the middle of the lunch, Zacchaeus stands up and says, hey, today I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. He's a pretty wealthy person. And he says, if I've ripped anybody else, I'm going to pay them back four times. You know he's ripped people off. He's going to pay them back four times. 
this is remarkable. There's, there's no altar call, there's no organ playing. Zacchaeus just stands up and makes this declaration and Jesus uh, smiles and says, today salvation has come to this house. And here's a question. Did Zacchaeus change and then Jesus had lunch with him? <laughs> no, no, no. Jesus had lunch with him just as he was, where he was. And through that act of love, through building a relationship around a table, having a lunch together, something started to transform Zacchaeus's heart. And he stood up and he made that declaration and a transformation came into his life. And so this is a wonderful example for us. Again, if we want to reach our community, we, we want to bring a blessing. But secondly, we need to take time just to build relationships with all kinds of people, regardless of who they are, what they're like. Just accept them as they are and let God's grace work on them. You know, years ago when I was pastoring a church, I used to hang out in the foyer after church and I was there meeting some visitors and some new people. And this young man came up to me and his opening line was, I used to be a Muslim, now I'm an atheist, but I enjoyed your talk today. I just kind of smiled and said, hey, great to meet you. Muslims and atheists are welcome at our church. He was, he was a bit taken back. Uh, anyway, uh, said goodbye. And uh, about four or five weeks later, I was in the foyer again, meeting some new people. And he came up to me. I said, hey, you're still here. He says, oh, I'm a Christian now. I said, that's great news. Christians are welcome at our church too. But, but you notice that the orientation is Muslim, atheist, whoever you are, you're welcome here just as you are. And let's see what Jesus could do in your life. And now, now this is all a little bit risky. This is all a little bit uncomfortable. Let, let, let's be honest. And the, the longer we are a Christian, the easier it is for us to only have Christian friends. And we kind of spend our time in church and with other followers of Jesus. And we can kind of um, get a little isolated from the world. Or we can be so immersed in the world that we're just like everyone else. We've got an audience, but no one's really listening. And so the challenge is to be in the world and yet not of the world, to, to be different, but to be connecting and relating. And so this is a principle Jesus teaches. Go out, be a blessing. Secondly, build relationships. And we can do that through meals and having fellowship with people. Number three, the third principle from this teaching of Jesus is to meet people's needs. You know, God cares for people's lives. Uh, they have needs, they have hurts. And uh, he says, as you go there, heal the sick who are there. In other words, if there's a pain, if there's a hurt, do your best to bring God's healing and grace there. We learn later in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus went about doing good. Uh, and, you know, as we seek to love our neighbor, as we're there being a blessing, building relationships, we'll discover some hurts. And if there's a hurt, seek to heal it. If there's a need, seek to meet it. This, this is the, the compassion orientation of our lives. I've discovered people are most open to God during pain. You know, when you hit the bottom, uh, you tend to look up and say, God, are you there? So in pain, people are very open. And secondly, in transition, if someone's just relocated or immigrated from another country into Melbourne, during that transition, people are very open. And so as we go out to our community, we're building relationships, just be alert, be open for, for needs. Someone may be in pain. Someone may be in transition. And in those moments, we can bring God's love and God's care and seek to meet those particular needs. St. Francis once said, always preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. In other words, just good works, just helping, just being a blessing to people can be in itself a message of good news. And so what are the needs of around about you today? I wonder what's happening in your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, the local community uh, around the church. 
you know, years ago when I was uh, pastoring a church, we uh, did a bit of a survey in our community. It took about three months and we just went out and said, what, what are the greatest needs? And we discovered that low cost clothing and food parcels uh, were the greatest need at that time. And so we ended up leasing a couple of shops and we created a bit of a food pantry there and we started an op shop encouraged everyone in our church to go home and come on you got some clothes you haven't worn for a while donate them to our new community ministry and so this little uh, ministry started and you know fast forward 10 15 20 years and it became one of the largest community ministries in our area simply through finding out what are the needs and how can we meet those needs and, and be a blessing to people where we are uh, you know, you want to scratch where the itch is. And so I wonder where the itch is in your community. It changes over time. And over time, ours shifted and there were many, many op shops and there was a great need for counselling, low cost counselling. So we started putting a counselling ministry together. And so I wonder what the itch is in your local area, in your community. And I wonder how you and the church together could meet those needs uh, and to do so in the love of Christ. And number four, Jesus says, uh, uh, first say peace to this house, uh, bring a blessing, uh, eat whatever they put before you, you're building relationships, heal the sick, meet the needs that are there, and then say the kingdom of God is here. You notice when people uh, open their hearts, they're more receptive to the message that you have. I think Jesus is teaching us that pre-evangelism is important. You know, uh, I grew up in church and I, I think we started with number four. We'd go out and preach or do some street meetings and uh, try to get people to repent and turn to Jesus. And we wonder why no one was listening. We don't start with number four. Uh, we start with number one be a blessing. Number two, build relationships. Number three, meet some needs. When you do those three things, then people are ready to, to know, well, why are you doing this and what's different about you? You've earned the right to be heard. I think we'd all acknowledge that people come to faith over time. It's a bit of a journey. In fact, someone said that it's a little bit like a chain with many links. And sometimes you're the first link, the first person that uh, introduces someone to who Jesus is. Sometimes you're the last link uh, that sees someone cross the line of faith. But most often we're one of these middle links, aren't we? Uh, just don't be the missing link. Uh, we don't have to do the whole thing ourselves. God orchestrates many people to be a part of someone's faith journey. Uh, someone plants, another one waters, another one reaps. I heard one research from the Billy Graham Association that estimated that the average person who comes to faith in Jesus meets 11 Christians beforehand and has at least 14 meaningful conversations. So, so can you see the process there? Again, we don't have to do the whole thing. Just be a part of what God's doing in a person's life now. Again, our motive is not some manipulative strategy where I'm being a blessing, I'm having a meal with you, I'm meeting a need, so you'll become a Christian. You know, that's a, a manipulation approach. No, no, we want to take a motivation approach that wants the very best for people and we love them with no strings attached. And so we're going to be a blessing, we're going to build relationships, we're going to meet needs, whether people respond or not. That, that's our heart, that's our goal. And so the Great Commission is to go into all the world. It's also come and see. But can you see that Jesus is giving us some real practical insights for how to do this on a daily basis? You know, the good news is we don't have to do this all ourselves. In fact, I believe God is a God of mission. Uh, God's on mission right now in our community. You know, a funny story that happened again a few years ago um, that illustrated this to me. Uh, we we um, 
the church I was leading there in, in uh, the city of Knox was on the corner of High Street Road and Kathy's Lane. And we, we discovered that there was actually a woman in the community named Bev. Uh, Bev went to a Catholic church when she was young, but really stopped going to church, wasn't really quite sure that there is a God. And so Bev's now in her mid-30s, and she goes to a motivational seminar on a Saturday. And, uh, you know, she's a little bit of a shy, introverted person, but at the seminar, they're talking about kind of, you know, breaking out of your box and stepping out of uh, your comfort zone and doing things that you wouldn't normally do. And, you know, as I said, Bev's a little bit shy, introverted, but this seminar's, you know, kind of motivating those there just to, to, to do something a little bit different, you know, take a risk, step out of the boat, as it were. So anyway, she went to the seminar, came home. Uh, that Saturday afternoon, there was some local Mormon missionaries walking the community and they knocked on her door. Now, now again, Bev wouldn't normally uh, open the door to strangers, but the seminar said, you know, uh, do something different. So she invited them in. They had a cup of tea and it was elders so and so. And they invited her to their religious gathering on Sunday morning. And again, she wouldn't normally do something like this, but the seminar said to do so. So she said, yes, I'll come. So anyway, Sunday morning, she got up, she, uh, got ready, got, got dressed nicely. And she's coming down High Street Road. And instead of turning right on Kathy's Lane up to the Mormon temple at the top of the hill, she accidentally turned left and came into City Life Church where I was the minister. And she, she walked into the foyer and she was looking for Elder So-and-so and no one knew where Elder So-and-so was. Eventually someone realized she was looking for the Mormon church and said, oh no, that's up the hill uh, at the other end of Kathy's Lane. Again, we've got to, we should have trained our, our lashes a little bit better. But anyway, so she got in her car and she went back onto Kathy's Lane, went up to the top end of Kathy's Lane and found the Mormon temple. Anyway, so she walks into their foyer. She's a little bit late and there's elder so-and-so and he's really annoyed. You know, you, you're late. You're supposed to be here at this certain time. So, you know, treated her a little bit abruptly. Anyway, she sat down and their meeting was going on. And as she was sitting there, she thought, I, I, I don't like this. This doesn't feel right. And so she stood up, left their meeting, got in her car, came back down the hill to the south end of Kathy's Lane, came back into the church service where I was pastoring and she, she, she really sensed something in the meeting. She kept coming uh, week after week after week. And eventually she made a, a commitment of faith and became a follower of Jesus. Now, I, I love this story because the only hero in it is God. Uh, I mean, here's God using a motivational seminar, a secular seminar. It's not even a Christian seminar. He's using a motivational seminar. He's using a wrong turn on a Sunday morning. He's using a grumpy Mormon elder. He's orchestrating all of this to get Bev into a place where she knows that there's a God who loves her. And I believe there's a lot of Bevs in your community and my community. And right now, God is out there. He's on mission. And we don't have to do the whole thing. We just have to be there intersecting with people's lives and help them hopefully take that next step. Not everyone we meet is necessarily going to respond in those moments there, but you never know those seeds that you sow of being a blessing, of building relationships, of meeting a need. You never know where they're going to go. One more story that summarizes this. Years ago, we were on holidays up in Green Island doing a bit of snorkeling, and uh, we met this family from Sri Lanka who were moving to Melbourne. I said, oh, hey, um, we live in Melbourne. Give us your number. We'll give you a call when we come back. Well, we came back to Melbourne, and I gave a number, their number to a family in our church from Sri Lanka. Unbeknownst to me, they invited them into their home. They helped them find a rental, settle into their job, and then eventually brought them to church. Uh, I hadn't told them I was a pastor, and so they came on the 
the Sunday and I wasn't in my snorkeling gear now. There I was up the front and you know what? They responded and became followers of Jesus. I don't share that to promote myself because I miss opportunities. But can you see we were a blessing? We built a relationship. We met some needs and then they were open. And so this is how we can impact our community. So I'm praying for your church that God will do a great work in this season as we all take our part in God's mission. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. The wisdom of Jesus is amazing. And I just believe you are at work in our community. There are many bevs out there. And so I pray today that all of us would have a, a fresh um, inspiration, whether we've got an evangelistic gift or not, we can all do the work of evangelism. And so help all of us to be a blessing wherever we go this week, to build relationships with all people, to look for needs to meet, and then look for those opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. I pray for this today, and I pray we'd have many celebrations this year of people coming to faith as our church reaches our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that's encouraging and inspiring for you today. Really enjoyed sharing with you. God bless you and your church and your ministry this year. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.